Sisters, but not by birth. Family, but not by DNA. David and Adam are two of a kind, and they want to borrow some of your day to talk into your ear holes about midi chlorians and roller coasters. Those two things are unrelated, but so are they. They're unrelated at birth, like most people who aren't related. Unrelated at birth, but they're brothers in a brotherly way. Now it's time for the phenomenal brother and the golden voice of the South. They're brothers from different mothers, but they're both really proud to be unrelated at birth. And welcome everybody back into another exciting and fun Unrelated at birth, as always, you've got the one, the only, the golden voice of the South, the human jukebox, Dave Adams, all the way from the top of the state of Alabama, that's right, in Madison, Alabama, in the only Unrelated at birth podcast studio. And as always, I have brought along my friend from the House of Mouse, from St. Cloud, from his subdivision where they're trying to get a red light, in... (laughs) In the Southern Command of the Annex of the Unrelated at Birth podcast studio, the phenomenal brother, Adam Joseph Russell. What's going on, man? See, Annex makes it sound like there's something that we added after the fact. Annex is like we needed more space. Just Southern Command. It sounds, come on, give me that much. We don't even have a red light here. The least you could do is just say Southern Command. And, and if, if anyone wants to sign the treaty and help us with our cause, or sign the petition and help us with our cause, um, I'll send you, you the you've link. Already got, you've already got 500 comments or, or subscribers or... or Signatures? What? Signatures, that's what I need. That's what I need. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie says we need to run the annex of Puerto Rico. And we'll do, do a petition oh, for on. that. Do, do you not get it? That... Okay. Let me go are, ahead are and bring gonna- my... Are you let, me go ahead and bring my, let me go ahead and bring my guest in. Fine, I'll wait. Because we're going to be talking the DC universe, DCE, the DC TV universe, DC Comics versus Marvel, all this stuff. And from, Puerto Rico. And por- from, from Supergirl Radio, my friend, Rebecca Johnson. What's going on, Becca? Hey, Dave. Hey, Adam. It's, it's great to be with you guys. I'm, I'm a big fan of your show. I think what you do is is great. Your production value is pretty good. So I'm uh, glad to be with you uh, for, for this episode. Thank, Thank you, you, Becca. Now, can you please help explain to Adam what the annexation of Puerto Rico is? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get into that. But since we're talking about Marvel, uh, you know, Captain, <laughs> you know, Captain America is really Captain Puerto Rico uh, because of his flag on his suit. So uh, that's, oh, that's, uh, know. that's what I'll uh, bring in there for that. Oh, okay. From the movie, the little giants, the annexation of Puerto okay. Rico is the play that they run at the end of the game. That the guy with the computer sitting there. Got it. <sighs> Got it. How do I run a pop culture podcast? What the little I'm giants. Sorry. That's a, that's a big pool. That, that's from way back. I that's haven't a, seen little giants since it came out in 1994. Yeah. Great is movie, it, but a long time ago. Isn't that on Disney Plus, though? Do you know how many other things are on Disney Plus? <laughs> That's like saying, did you look that up in the encyclopedia? I mean, it's... Do I need to show you, okay? you my coffee cup again? No, no, please don't. I don't need to see the cat in the hat again, thank you. You've already run my anxiety <laughs> through the room. 
<laughs> I know, I know. Okay, so first off, mm. let's let's give. Wait, let, wait, let's... wait. Hang on, hang on. I'm sorry. So what? not that one. Rachel says Rebecca. And yeah, I see, uh, I see Supergirl Radio folks in, yeah, in, the, in the chat. Claudia says hello as well. So I just wanted hey to guys. make sure we gave them a shout out for being here. Thanks for oh. thanks for coming by. Yeah, thank you, Supergirl Radio people. Um, and and, and I, I, earlier today, earlier in the show, Vance was was saying, "When can he tell the guests is second guessing their decision to come on the show?" <laughs> we saw it before we even started the live so <laughs> yeah i know i know anyway uh so becca first off before we get into at the deep dive here tell us how your love for dc comics started uh well it probably started oh uh, when i was young i were i have vivid memories of watching the superman uh the christopher reeve superman movies supergirl the movie um but i think i mean a lot of people have the same <laughs> same story of, i'm finding out that uh it was tim burton's uh, batman 1989 that uh really sparked my imagination i was i was probably eight nine at the time and i begged my parents to take me to see it because it was pg-13 and it was <laughs> i was a little too young for it um but they let me uh they let me uh, go see it and i remember begging my grandmother to take me to taco bell because at some point taco bell had like batman merch there i guess in like happy yep. meals or something and so i just have these memories like i there were there are lots and lots of batman 89 memories like we mm. went to a uh, waffle house one night and i played um bat dance on the jukebox so i just remember being a kid and being obsessed with that movie and i think that movie uh made me love superheroes and comic book movies and filmmaking in general uh, I'm a huge Tim Burton fan to this day. So that's that's kind of where it sparked. And uh, then I sort of kind of, uh, I, I kept up with superhero stuff for the most part, but it wasn't until I moved to Atlanta in 2005 when I started, uh, I, I got into watching Smallville uh, from a, a recommendation from a friend of mine. Uh, uh, yeah, and so I, then I uh, started reading comics uh, like really heavily. I remember... Uh, when I was a kid, I got into Dick Tracy because of the Dick Tracy movie that came out, I think the year after the Tim Burton movie. And so I had yep. kind of done some comic book reading then, but it wasn't until I moved to Atlanta and kind of got into Smallville that I really got into comics really hardcore. And I fell in love with the medium because I started to connect like, oh, comic books are like storyboards, hmm. basically. And the, yep. the the film fan in me really loved that idea that art the artists could make it like a storyboard and that's kind of how you follow the panels and so uh since that day since about 2005 i've i read comics all the time and uh i i became more of a dc fan i've always been more of a dc fan than a marvel fan but but i have respect for both yeah so why supergirl why why start just the supergirl radio because she's not exactly a major a major character in, in any of the DC arcs. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that. Uh, she was a, okay. she, she was a, she was a big player in crisis on infinite earths. Uh, that was when she famously died in 1984, when she was uh, killed off because DC wanted to just have one Kryptonian. So they had to get rid of all the Kryptonians. Uh, <laughs> so that was a, that was a big storyline for her. And she's kind of popped up, you know, here and there. She was uh, pretty big on Superman, the animated series. She was on Smallville uh, as Kara Kent. 
Um, and so she's sort of popped up here and there, uh, in addition to the Supergirl, the movie uh, with Helen Slater in 1984, simultaneously the year that they killed her off in the comics, which was not a not a great year for Supergirl. <laughs> uh, but in terms of starting the podcast, um, I was approached by a friend of mine, Andy, who uh, is the host of the Flash podcast. And he was looking for somebody, Supergirl had been announced, and he was looking for somebody who maybe he could start a spinoff podcast from his podcast and and talk about Supergirl. And he knew I was a DC Comics fan and uh, wanted to see if I was interested. And I was like, well, you know, I, I, I like Supergirl. I, you know, yeah. I was a fan of the movie when I was a kid. And even to this day, like, I still defend it a little bit. I know it's a pretty terrible movie. <laughs> but, there are, the, but there are parts of, we actually did a debate recently on Supergirl Radio about Supergirl the movie, and I took the... I took the uh, the side defending the film. So uh, if I had to, I would defend it. Um, but when I was a, when I was a kid, I loved it. I had a really scary villain. Selena is nasty, um, and Helen Slater is really good at Supergirl. So I've always had like a, an affinity for Supergirl. But uh, but when he approached me about the podcast, I was like, sure, I'll I'll talk about <laughs> Supergirl. I, I had gotten out of podcasting for a couple of years before that, and I was like, well, yes. This time I can I can get back into a podcast. And so uh, it's interesting, though, because by doing the podcast, we've done it almost uh, technically six years now. Uh, I love the characters so much more now than I did when I started, uh, just because we've read through a lot of uh, her comics through different time periods and have followed the character through, you know, the the TV show and kind of the current run of the comics. So uh, I, I, I think spending time with Supergirl has made me love the character so much more. That's awesome. I've I've been a Superman fan for as long as I can remember. He's always been my favorite, like go to superhero. And you'll find out in our conversation, you know, maybe leaning a little bit more towards Marvel, less than DC. But Superman to me is just like that timeless kind of character. I think yeah. Supergirl could fit in that same kind of vein too. I don't know what it is about it. I mean, because it came out Superman and all that whole storyline came out what thirties, I think yep. was the first appearance in the comics. And uh, nineteen thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, has always held to me. He's been like the best him. And then I got into Batman later on, but yeah, soups was always my fave. We can get in that conversation later. I, I will say too, um, a little sentimental moment. In fact, I, I'll have to grab this here. I can talk for a second. You can be able to hear me. <laughs> this makes for great podcast. I feel like, I feel like I'm at that place at Disney's Hollywood studios where they used to act like they were cutting your hair. You put on the headphones. I don't know if you guys oh, remember oh, that. Oh, no, I've never done yeah. that. I, I yeah. Walk, that. walk around the, the microphone. No. Okay. <laughs> so as a graduation from high school present, I was gifted this. And if, if anyone's not seeing it, it's just a random Superman comic book. Mm-hmm. It has no, it's no monetary value. Is that uh, with but, the long hair after uh, after the return yeah. of Superman? Yeah. So that would have been nineties. Yeah. No, he he, he doesn't have the long hair there. Oh, okay. Not, well, not this is nineties. I would okay. guess it was ninety nine, June of ninety nine. Uh, so when I was, gosh, I, I want to say I was five or six. I, my five year, my fifth birthday, I had a Justice League party, and my mom's business partner would always come and play Superman with me. Oh, cool. And that was something that she always did. So for my senior year of high school, she gave me this. And and tying it back to how I was raised, you know, we, we're all Christians on the show. We're all, you know, conservative values and everything like that. She she said, I want to give you this. This has three reasons, three main reasons to to look at this. One, 
selfishly, I want to show you this, give you this and say, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember the, the times that we shared when I was at your house and we always played Superman together. Two, I don't. I want you to remember that there is no real Superman. Not no man is a, is supposed to do it all on his own. And three, I want you to remember there is a super god. And, and it's just it's cool how 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 these characters that have we've always grew up with. We we know their stories. They become woven into the fabric of our lives. Just something small like that can become a huge teaching moment just for old people like us, you know, 40 year old, 39 year old, 40 year olds like us that, that, you know, it's stupid characters, but we relate to them. That's an awesome story. And uh, a lot of people like I've had many disagreements and uh, uh, civilly and uncivilly disagreements about this. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, Superman has a lot of Christ figure imagery that has uh, come with him. Uh, since, I mean, most famously since Superman, the movie, when, uh, you know, he's, he's sent to earth and a lot of people will talk about the Moses connection, which is obviously there as well. Um, but they intentionally, uh, wrote, uh, I, th I forget the, uh, screenwriter's name, but, uh, he, he talked about in the audio commentaries for those movies that he intentionally put some Christ figure stuff in there. And that, that spanned into Superman returns and in Smallville, uh, it's been in the comics. You see that in Zack Snyder's take. Um, so, so, uh, a lot of people want to fight me on that for some reason. I'm like, I'm not making it up. It's there. It's there. You see yeah. Tom Welling yeah. hanging from a cross on Smallville. I'm not making this up. Uh, so, so I, I think it's, I think it's cool that, um, those connections are there and that, that you found meaning from that. That's awesome. Yeah. But it was literally, it's literally in man of steel too. Like when he backs out and floats over earth, I mean, he stretches his arms out, you know, that kind of stuff too. So anyway, yeah, yeah I'm there with you. Go ahead, Dave. No, I was just saying, you know, even in, you know, in the comics, Death of Superman, he dies to save Metropolis. Mm -hmm. And then he's reborn when they need him the most. So it, it's it's all there. I don't, I don't see how people can disagree with you on that. Sure. Yeah. I think it's because they don't want it to be the case. Uh, I, I don't know. I think some people fight back on that because they don't want it to be uh to be true but i'm, I'm like i'm sorry I, I don't make the rules this is just yeah the way it is. <laughs> that's how they played it yeah yeah that's how it's yes. played all right so let, let's get into the controversial topic of the dc cinematic universe um it started off strong with with superman superman 2 and eh, superman 3 died was was stupid uh and then <laughs> and then the wonder woman movie the wonder woman tv shows all those you know 80s campy shows adam ran away uh so <laughs> uh, <laughs> um what uh what's gone wrong what's gone right what what do you think is it, where do we go why why are we here i guess is the biggest question that's a Really big question. Uh, so, uh, uh, Let's go get into it. I mean, there's there's a lot of things, you know, right. I mean, if we're going to go all the way back to, you know, Christopher Reeve, um, I mean, we could we could go back to the the serials of the 40s if you wanted to really. But uh, but I, I think there's there's good and bad things in all of those uh, in those iterations. A lot of people hold up the Christopher Reeve, Reeve movies as, oh, the greatest Superman stuff in the world. There's a lot of problems in some of those movies. You go back yeah. and watch Superman the movie. 
there's some it does not hold up in some part, parts of it um yeah. but but uh but there's some good things and bad things uh about all these takes and i i think a lot of the the storytelling especially are we talking specifically films or uh television no, we, let's let's go everywhere let's let's, yeah. let's hit it because that's that's one thing that people say is marvel gets it wrong on tv but dc gets it right on tv whereas vice versa with movies See, I, I think there's there's a lot of discussions to be had about that because, uh, uh, especially on the DC side, um, a lot of people will will say that the Arrowverse is you know knocking it out of the park all the time. And I talk about the Arrowverse every week, and I can tell you that is 100 percent not true. They are not <laughs> knocking it out of the park every week. There's lots of problems. Uh, I know Dave and I disagree about Arrow. Uh, yep. about a lot of things uh you know killing black canary off was the dumbest thing they could have done and <laughs> their ratings tanked uh <laughs> as a result of it and they brought her back to try to save the show so um i'm always going to have a little bit of bitterness about what they did to Lord, my girl laurel lance uh but uh but so like i mean but arrow season two is one of the best seasons of television bar none i'm just gonna put I'm, yep. it's not hyperbole it's a great season of television it's oliver queen versus deathstroke it's awesome but then there's also season four you know like yeah, <laughs> exactly so, so even within specific tv shows there are pros and cons to them i mean supergirl has had its fair share of issues seasons one through three awesome love them season four through uh, season four and five uh i suffered through them they were very difficult to watch if it wasn't for the podcast and having fun uh, discussions with my, my friend and co-host Morgan. Uh, I think we might, we might've quit it. I don't know. Um, but it's, so there it's one of those things where it's like, it's not an all or nothing thing. Um, there's, there's good things and bad things within, you know, each film within each TV show. But what I think the strength, the, the strength that they're finding within the DC universe as a whole currently is that the the ones that are really succeeding have a, a perspective? Um, like you talk, uh, I know Dave, you're a fan of uh, the what the shows were on DC Universe, but are now kind of going the HBO Max yes. route. The Doom Patrol, Titans, uh, mm -hmm. Swamp Thing, Star Girl. Those are excellent. Those are excellent. I would recommend those shows to anyone. I would probably, if I had to rank them, I'd probably put uh, Doom Patrol number one, Titans number two, Star Girl number three. Swamp Thing number four, uh, but Swamp Thing still excellent, even at number four. Um, but those those are so different from the Arrowverse TV shows. The yeah, Arrowverse, uh, the Arrowverse, uh, the Flash, Supergirl, Black Lightning, Arrow, Batwoman, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. They all have a formula. It's like you have the lead character, and then you have their team, mm -hmm. and it's basic. That's that's the show. And so DC Universe shows are not like that. They're vastly different. They are, they're allowed to be more creative. They're a little more mature. They're a little more violent. Um, but they're also very unique. Uh, so I think those, it's, it's interesting. Even on TV, there's two different universes going on and they have their, their pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, what, what I've liked about it, especially with The Flash, is my son is 11. His name's Aiden. He loves The Flash, everything about it. And that show is approachable. Like it for, for a kid his age, he can watch that and it's not horrible. I mean, he's watched Endgame and things like that on the Marvel side. So he's heard worse, you know, when it comes to, to that kind of thing. But um, but I've enjoyed watching him enjoy that. And I think that's one thing for me is that there's that CW kind of show that that DC has that Marvel doesn't. Like I iron some of the things that are out there on Netflix for Marvel, I would never 
in a million years. Let, let him watch, you know, but DC at least has that. And then another tier above that. And I think that that's one thing I've appreciated out of DC is that there is something I can share, you know, with him and not have to feel like I have to earmuffs every, you know, a few seconds or fast forward or yeah. things like that. Don't let him watch Titans. At all. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah, Definitely we're speaking of Flash right now. We're just at Flash right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. That is one of the strengths of DC is that they have a lot of uh, material for every age. You yeah. you you know, young girls can watch DC superhero girls. Uh, Justice League action is also there's a lot of animated things mm-hmm. for young kids. Lego and even, Lego Batman, um, <laughs> lots of different, um, even some of the animated movies are a little more mature. So if you, if you don't want to watch the, the baby Lego movies, you can watch, a, you know, Justice League War or whatever it is. So, yeah. uh, so there's a lot of animated stuff. There's live action stuff. There's, there's different, um, uh, different takes, even, even within the live action TV, like Gotham was a very different <laughs> take mm-hmm. on the DC universe, which I love. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that's one of the strengths is that there's something for everybody. If you just, if you just pursue it. Yeah. You know, I love that you mentioned Gotham because as soon as you did that, I don't know if you saw Carrie's question come up as you were, were saying that uh, he said, when time permits, I'd like to ask about Gotham and why we we haven't seen more shows like this in other spaces in the U- DCU. Personally, I feel it was the freshest take on the Batman story and thoroughly enjoyed every season of it. I 100% agree, uh Carrie. That that show uh it <laughs> it was it was interesting. It was very violent. People got poked in the eyes a lot. Um <laughs> and, and and for some people it was very dark. Uh you know, it 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 uh was set in, you know, nighttime scenes a lot. And I'm told by Rotten Tomatoes that if you have nighttime scenes in a in a show, that's bad. They should all be daytime scenes. <laughs> That's what Rotten Tomatoes tells me. Don't ever put nighttime scenes in your stories. Nice. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't like that. Um, but but Gotham was was really interesting because they would take the stories you know, like Mr. Freeze and his wife, Nora, and they would flip them and do their own take. And even though it was different, it still felt so honoring to those stories. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was very reverent to, like a Scarecrow had a really unique backstory. Penguin was awesome. They did some really, really interesting things with the Riddler. Um, so I, I really appreciated that, that it was so different, but it also felt very familiar. And uh, <laughs> they did everything they possibly could with the Joker character. Uh, so many different variations on Joker. Yep. Yeah. Gotham was such a unique thing. And I think you had to really be invested in seeing it through. Cause I think some Batman fans didn't take to it right away, but it got really good sort of in the middle of season one. And it just, took off. And uh, so I highly recommend if you love Batman, watch it because what they did with the ventriloquist and Scarface is still one of my favorite things that any DC TV show has done. It was so amazing. So I highly recommend Gotham. Yeah, cool. So uh, we're going to be bouncing around with this and I'm sorry. That's just our welcome to unrelated at birth. Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) what um, you say in this brought me to this tangent, but what is your take on going away from the source material. You know, there's so much Batman source material. There's so much Superman source material. But DC and Marvel some at some point in time go away from their source material just to gain not comic book nerds like us. Yeah, that's what's a really your, good that's a really yeah, good question. And uh I, it, and that was something that I was thinking about when Adam was talking about the Flash cuz the Flash has been i think it's one of the more comic booky shows that the arrowverse has um because 
Legends of Tomorrow does whatever it wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Batwoman has now in season two sort of strayed. There is no Kate Kane anymore, uh, which is fine if that's the story you want to tell, but that's not what comic book fans uh, come for it for. Uh, Supergirl has really strayed from it, and it's a source of great frustration for me. They had Snapper's <laughs> Snapper Car on the show uh, for a full season. He, he snapped zero times and that's his whole thing in the comics is that he, he snaps um uh you know there's a lot of issues that i have with some of those shows where it seems especially my my big issue with supergirls i feel like they i hate to say this but sometimes it feels like they've never picked up a supergirl comic in their lives and it's yeah. it's very frustrating as a supergirl fan because there's going to be a million superman shows every five years they're going to make a superman tv show that's just that's just the case yeah Supergirl may not get this chance again. And I'm sorry. I want to see Comet the Super Horse. I want to see you had you had uh, five seasons of the Department of Extra Normal Operations and you didn't have Director Bones on once. He is the DEO and you didn't put him on the show. So there are things like that that really kind of frustrate me. Uh, but I'm also willing to go with whatever story they're telling. If they do it in such a way that it's a really well-written story, then I'm fine with it. The problem with shows like Supergirl is they're not usually well written. So uh, so it's yeah. I don't I don't even get that. So I I'm one I'm I think uh I think I'm kind of uh an unusual person in the DC fan fandom uh that I'm willing to go with any kind of take as long as it's a good story. Um that's why I'm a fan of like Zack Snyder's DC films whereas some people might not be but uh, but I'm willing to go with it if you if you do a good job and it's well executed and well written and you tell a good story. So I, there's there's a lot to talk about with that yeah, subject. And, and I think that's where for me with DC, um, I struggle a little bit because I feel like they're more willing to go down. Because like you said, in the source material for Batman, there's so many different storylines, especially the Joker. There's so many different takes in the comics themselves. I mean, I don't know about those. I'm not as well versed in the comics and the storylines and things like that, like like you guys might be. And so when they come out with one that's based off of one of those, I'm like, really? We're doing the Joker again or we're doing the Batman again? But every folks who are in the know are like, oh, wow, we finally get to see that take. Like you said, they use it like a storyboard. Now we're going to see that in a film form. But for me, it feels like another Batman movie. You know, and, yeah. and I, I think that the one thing and I'm not going to harp on Marvel a lot. I think the one thing for me, the payoff of the whole Infinity Stones Thanos thing that it all connected and paid off. I feel like that. And I know Zack Snyder, you mentioned Dave had a five film idea, right? Mm -hmm. DC needs uh, to me the more casual type fan. I feel like they need something more like that. And hopefully, you know, I know the Justice League and all of that was supposed to build and build, but it, it doesn't really feel like it's going to now. I don't know. Maybe it was the CGI it mustache. Just doesn't feel like it was going to build the same way. But um, but I Give it time. Talking, having conversations like this with you guys has opened my eyes to the fact that there's a reason often that there's another one of the same character getting a new take like that. You know, so I've come to appreciate it a lot more than I probably would have three, four years ago in that regard. Yeah, I have a friend, uh, Michael Bailey. He's uh, one of the podcasters for Superman Homepage. He does reviews for them. Uh, he once uh, talked to me about this kind of ideas. Uh, every TV show, every film, even if it's the same character, it's almost like you're watching like a new writer and a new artist on a comic book who mm -hmm. have come in and they're doing their own run on the comic book. Yeah. So they they may have that same character, but it's going to be a different take. And yeah. uh, that's 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 what I like. I like the DC, especially. I know Marvel tried to connect all of their 
TV and, and film things uh, to the detriment of some of their storylines, uh, like bringing mm-hmm. uh, What's-His-Face Coulson back to life. I was yeah. like, really? That was like the whole emotional investment in that first Avengers movie. And then he's alive again. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, I, but I like the, the ability to watch a different version of the universe. Like, maybe I'm not as big of a fan uh, of Tyler Hecklin's Superman, but I love Henry Cavill's Superman. I I can I can go and kind of enjoy that a little more, and and I don't I I, I can pick and choose whichever one I like. So I think that's kind of the advantage of the DC stuff and the the multiverse that they've created uh, that sort of came to a head and the big crisis on infinite Earths crossover is that there's so many different versions. If you don't like Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, there's a whole Linda Carter series you can go watch. True. Um, so First I think off, if you if you don't like Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, what is wrong with you? Get out I of mean, here. That's how I feel about it. But everybody has their own their own tastes. But, uh, but what I think is really um, interesting to that, uh, I guess, to take it back to that sort of comic book accuracy discussion, is I, I think about uh, DC Universe's Titans because mm-hmm. that that show is like the comics jumped out. And like hit me in the face. And that's exactly. what I, that's what I love about Titans is it feels they they've done such a good job of world building and building mm-hmm. those characters that it feels like a Teen Titans comic come to life. Um, uh, I mean, the I mean, guy I, that plays Gar looks just like Beast Boy. Like it's freaky how much he looks like Beast Boy from the cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, this is just kind of I know nobody probably else cares about this but me, but they had a crypto <laughs> the super dog who actually flew and used heat vision. Yep. That is yep. not something you're going to see on the Arrowverse. The Arrowverse shies away from that because they think it's dumb. But yeah. in well, reality, they try to shy away from the supernatural. Well, yeah, they try and, to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, we had streaky, streaky uh, Supergirl's cat on Supergirl, but he was not powered. He was just a normal cat, which is fine, which is fine. Yeah. But Crypto the Superdog actually flying and using heat vision, and he was a white dog, too. He looked just like Crypto. That was awesome. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff where, as a comic book fan, you come yeah. to it and you're like, oh, my gosh, that is that is Crypto brought to life. So there, it's it's interesting. Like, I love having people tell their stories but i also kind of want to get some of that that stuff for me as a fan absolutely so let me ask you this and we've got a question we have to get to here in a minute but i I do want your your take on this and talking about the multiverse and everything having two flashes in the same time frame or or two you know ezra miller and ah what's his name grant gustin grant grant gustin why would they do Shame. that? Because I, I do think Grant Gustin probably embodies Flash better than Ezra Miller or Ezra. Yeah, Ezra Miller. Ezra right? Miller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So why would WB try that when CW already has probably the perfect Flash? Uh, well, they did it mostly just for funsies. Is basically, I think uh, they didn't say that technical term. Uh, that was that was my terminology. Um, they just thought it would be cool to put it in Crisis on Infinite Earths because I think that really embodies the multiverse aspect of it. Because in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, which if people don't know, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths is a big storyline in the comics, and every year the Arrowverse does a big crossover, and they usually adapt some comic book storyline. So for them to do Crisis, it was a really really big deal, and Crisis mm-hmm. basically. The idea behind Crisis is that uh, there's something eating all of the worlds. So in the multiverse, you have all these different worlds. You have Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth 3, blah, 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 blah. 
And then uh, when all the Earths are being kind of sucked out, you see all these characters from like the Birds of Prey TV show. Uh, Huntress gets sucked up. Uh, Smallville made an appearance. Uh, uh, what's his face? Who played Dick Grayson on Batman 66? Uh, what is his name? I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> Her, Her Ward. Um, he was yeah. in there. And so they used it as a way to, uh, to bring all of those worlds together and, and have that crisis on infinite earth really feel like crisis on infinite earth. Um, so I think it was just a way to, uh, to bridge that gap and make them all feel like one unified thing. Um, and, and as a fan, I thought that was, that was great. Uh, Ezra Miller coming on crisis on infinite earth was like the most anybody would talk about that. I mean, Oliver queen died. Who cares? Ezra Miller was on there and it was awesome. So, uh, well, and, so and they're going to, I think they did it just to get people talking. Yeah, they're potentially yeah. going to pay it off the other way too, right? With Grant Gustin possibly in the Flash movie, because you can work it both ways, right? I mean, that whole infinite universe thing kind of pays off to your advantage in that because you can have multiple Flashes and they can all coexist. So at least I, I heard that rumor. I don't know if that's still true or not, but yeah, I, I don't know if that's been uh, solidified, but I think I think it's very possible. the The Flash yeah. movie, from what we know about it, is going to have multiple batman in it um and that's kind of flash's whole deal he time travels he goes to different worlds he experiences different uh places in the multiverse so it makes yep. sense that the flash especially would be a character to do that with sure yeah all right so we've got to go back and, and like i said welcome to underrated birth where we jump around um <laughs> uh, facebook user we don't have a, com a name here but what do i watch first if i've never seen any dc TV oh, show, wow. comic, or anything. Wow, that is a huge question. <laughs> You're two for two on the big questions, Dave. Congrats. Oh. I know. I'm good at this. <laughs> Welcome to Unrelated to Birth. <laughs> we ask the hard questions. Well, I would probably say Justice League Unlimited. It's an animated TV series. It's a it's a cartoon. I think it was in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. um, that show does a really good job of introducing you to the world of DC comics. It has, uh, it's basically set around the justice league. And so you get to meet different members of the justice league, not just Superman and Batman and wonder woman. You get to meet black canary and vigilante and um, booster gold. So there are lots of characters that are in there that, that it gives you a really good introduction to the DC universe and who the characters are and what their relationships are together. And it's a really well-made show. It's done by Bruce Tim, who is a legendary animator um, in Warner brothers animation. So I would probably put, if, if you're okay with cartoons, I know some adults kind of <laughs> snicker at watching cartoons, oh, come but on. But uh, J Justice League Unlimited is fantastic. It has one of the best TV show theme songs of any TV show. I don't care, live action, animation, whatever. It's a great theme song. And it's just a really well-made show. And it has some of the most iconic DC voices like Kevin Conroy um, in there as Batman. So I, I would probably put you there first. And then once you go, once you want to get back into other things, you can expanded i would probably point you to if you're a superman fan or a lois lane fan i would put you uh, uh the new adventures of super uh, well lois and clark the new adventures of superman is one of my favorite tv shows i know some people think it's cheesy but i love it um it's so awesome so i mean just kind of I, th I think i would say i would start you on jlu just like unlimited and then from there just pick who your favorite characters are and then just go explore uh the the various movies and tv shows based on those characters JLU isn't meanwhile. Oh, is that? Well, I have no, to hear that. That needs to get incorporated somehow. 
Super Friends, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile. <laughs> had a Super Friends birthday party when I was three. Yep. Those nice. were the that's, days, man. Yeah, that's what I say. My, my, I wish I had pictures of this. My aunt, my, I told y'all earlier, my, I had a, a, a Justice League birthday party when I was five. My aunt dressed as Wonder Woman for me. Oh, and wow. showed up. Wonder Woman. Yeah. You have to yeah. sing it when it's that long ago. <laughs> I know, but it, it was awesome. Um, all right, so... Adam, you mentioned it earlier, and yeah. we talked Flash because of his time travel and stuff like that. But in the past 10 years, that, let's go 15 years just to be good here. I can count probably four to five Jokers. I can count probably four to five Batman. How does DC fix this continuity issue that we have going now? Because... We've got this, you know, Marvel, like Adam said earlier, that's got this great continuity thing where every one of their 30 movies at least has some way to tie into each other. But DC has Joaquin Phoenix Joker. They've got Jared Leto's Joker. We've got Jack Nicholson's Joker, even though it was 30 years ago. We've, we've got all these Jokers. We've got, we've got, God, I hate George Clooney, but George Clooney Batman. We've got Val Kilmer Batman, Michael Keaton Batman. We've got now Robert Pattinson Batman. We've got Ben Affleck Batman. We've got Mark Hamill Joker. Sorry, forgot to mention that. Uh, so how, how dare you? We... He's one of the best Jokers ever. Uh, he is no, no, Shame not on one you. of the best. He is the best Joker ever. Uh, yeah, somebody how... mentioned Batman the animated series in the comments. Uh, so yeah, shout yeah. out to Mark Hamill. How do we fix that continuity issue that DC has? where Marvel has got this, this perfect plan going forward. Uh, is that a question for anybody? That's anybody or, or, or Talk you? Amongst yourself. Oh, okay. You, you uh, I, are the DC person here, <laughs> Becca. Come on. <laughs> well, I would argue that you don't need to connect them. You don't have to have a continuity cut. Cause I think the advantage of that is, uh, cause uh, you taught you, for example, with the Jokers, you have the Jack Nicholson, you have the Heath Ledger, you have Joaquin Phoenix, you have uh, Jared Leto, you have all those uh, Mark Hamill, you have all those Jokers. And the great thing about the advantage of that is that uh, people don't freak out necessarily. Uh, well, sometimes it happens. I was going to say, but, wait a but, second. <laughs> but people, people are more welcoming, especially with the Batman characters, to be like, oh, well, there's a new take on the Joker. Okay, that's fine. Great. Let's do that. Uh, but I think what Marvel, especially with the MCU, is going to uh, have a rude awakening for is when they recast characters like Iron Man or Captain America. You're going to get a not my Captain America. Hashtag not my like M-U-H. Not my not cap. My, not my cap. Um, you're yeah. you're going to get some of that. So I think you have to be open to having new takes on the characters just because like DC fans, I, 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 I guess I can only speak for myself, but I'm fine. I'm like, okay. Let's see what this new Batman's got going on. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little more open to that. So I think that's what uh, what the advantage of that is, is that you can kind of pick and choose which one you like. Uh, so Marvel doesn't necessarily, necessarily have that. It does have continuity. And I would argue about half of those 30 movies are not very good. Uh, but but you have those 30 movies. Uh, but but when you get when it and they will at some point they will recast those characters because they're gonna want to have those characters back that's that's gonna be really interesting to watch yeah, yeah. well nobody wants to sit and watch a thor movie anyway right those are the only ones i still have never seen a thor movie 
The first what? one is really it, good. I have not. Ragnarok is probably the best Marvel movie. I, I should made. probably watch Mag- Ragnarok, but Ragnarok is really just Thor in a Guardians of the Galaxy type style, right? Just, I mean, yes. Just, just don't watch Thor to the Dark World. No, that's that, see, I can't. I that just was, I can't. that was for me. But that was one of the worst. It's, it's interesting. Y'all, that you, mark it down. Vance Cope is on my side. Mark it down. <laughs> How do you know first? Because he said blasphemy to you about Thor. Oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the funny thing about it is literally two comments earlier when, when we first talked about the connected universe back to back, Vance says, I think DC would be better without a connected universe. And then Brian says a DC connected universe is cool to see characters interact. So that's part of it too, is that you're always going to have that mix of who wants what, right? I tend to fall into that camp of, I want to pay off if I'm going to sit yeah. through man of steel and Batman V Superman, and then justice league, I want to pay off. And for me, the whole Steppenwolf, the way they portrayed Doomsday, none of that was, to me, a satisfying payoff for me because I enjoyed Man of Steel so much. I think, and, and me and Dave have argued about this before, I think Man of Steel is the best Superman movie. 100%. Because instead of, you know, Christopher Reeve was great. You got comic book Superman brought to life, bulletproof, and he's, you know, doing all that stuff. What Man of Steel gave, you saw the joy when he flew for the first time. You saw the agony when he had to break General Zod's neck that he actually had to do something bad. Like he's human. You know, he, he has not human, but I know he has the, the humanity of him and the feelings that he brought to it, I think, is what makes it the best. I just need, I guess, for me, the payoff. Like if you're going to string things together, I want there to be something. And I feel like they kind of lost that with me with Man of Steel, Batman v Superman and Justice League. But, I, 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 but I, I've been trained. I've been trained by Marvel. You shortchanged her. How's that? Tell me your Martha take. Oh, I hate the Martha thing. He said, Martha, oh, all of a sudden, I'm going to forget everything we've done for the last three and a half hours. And yeah, just, I I don't know. It it didn't work for me. It's one person's opinion, though. It's one person's opinion. It just didn't work for me. (laughs) Do you you know that that's the first time since 1938 that someone has actually put that in a story that the characters both had mothers that had the same name? The The first time anyone in... The history of DC Comics has made that connection. Uh, so I think that's pretty brilliant. Uh, I think the connection is cool. Yeah, it goes and harkens back to their beginnings. I, I think that's totally cool. But I, it's just the execution for me. Just, I don't know. Well, uh, I just to go back to something you said earlier <laughs> regarding uh, Christopher Reeve. Um, it, I would, I would be careful about saying the comic book Superman, um, because Christopher Reeve was, was the Silver Age Superman. So yeah, you have, true. you have that and, Silver Age Superman is kind of a jerk, to be honest. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but that's that's kind of the and and Helen Slater's Supergirl is basically Silver Age Supergirl come to life. Linda Lee. Um, yeah. So, so you have those versions representing a certain time period. But Henry Cavill's Superman is just as much comic book Superman as Christopher Reeves is that's because uh, Man of Steel is based off the John Byrne uh, Man of Steel series. Uh, so it, it pulls a lot from there. You got Kellex, you got the the whole way that they birthed babies. Uh, the destruction of Krypton is very similar. Uh, they even say things like Lady Lara in the comics there that they do in Man of Steel. Um, and even Batman v Superman has a lot of connections to uh, the death of Superman. And I think Superman Peace on Earth, there's also Superman uh, birthright connections in Man of Steel. So those are those are comic book connections sure. as well. So, so I, I always kind of 
worry when people say comic books something or other because yeah. you have to you have to look at it as what are these comic books based on? Well, I, I guess I'll put it like what this. the time period is. No, I totally get what you're saying. I'll put it like this: Christopher Reeve Superman wore the same pajamas I wore when I was three. It yeah. looked like what a five year old would expect Superman to look like and do. You know, it was kind of that popcorn. Well, kind of popcorn and candy, really saccharine kind of version of Superman is more what yeah, I mean it, by it, that, you know? Yeah, it's the Superman that you see behind me. Exactly, it's not- yeah. It's the one that was on your underoos. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean was? TMI, dude. All right, what's the next topic? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do want to get your take on this, Becca, because I know that you are a... I know you probably have a strong take on this. Um, Batman. There's Adam West, campy Batman. There's Michael Keaton, decent Batman. There's jokey Val Kilmer and and George Clooney Batman. And then there's Christian Bale. I'm going to kill you, mother Batman. Uh, What is Batman and what should Batman be? Wow. You are asking me really big questions. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, Batman, I think uh, the the great thing about all of those iterations is that they all they all kind of have an essence of Batman. Uh, and Batman has been redone and redone and redone. So you 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 have so many different uh you you forgot to mention Lego Batman who is one oh, of yeah, my favorites as well. Yeah. Will Arnett, uh, Lego Will, Arnett, Will Arnett Lego <laughs> Batman. Um and also my my boy Batfleck, uh Nightmare Batman is like the love of my life. Uh he is he is my favorite. Uh so so if if you don't know what I'm talking about go watch Batman v Superman. He might also show up in Zack Snyder's Justice League and I'm eagerly awaiting awaiting his reappearance cuz I love him so much. Um but I think Batman you just have to boil him down to uh the boy who has a traumatic experience where he witnesses his father uh, his father and his mother dying in front of him and he seeks justice after that. And so I think if you have those uh core elements there I, I personally feel like you can do whatever you want to with the character. Um, you can have him be afraid of bats and that's what he uses to become Batman. Or, uh, you know, you can have him in a, a, a bat cave with a bat computer that, you know, looks a little silly. Like in the Batman 66, you could have him with a red phone or you can have him with, you know, monitors all over his, his bat cave. It doesn't matter how you represent it. As long as you have the essence of the character, I, I, I think, and some people may argue what that essence of the character is, but I think it's just a, a little boy who who wants to right a wrong and wants to uh, make sure it never happens to anybody else. To me, that's who Batman is. Hmm. All right, so we got a couple of things coming in. Uh, Deanna, we, we talked about Gotham earlier in the show. Uh, go back and listen to our take once it posts here in a little bit. Uh, Carrie posts another great question. You and Carrie are knocking out of the park today. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> The question should be, who towed the line of Batman and Bruce Wayne the best? I need the answer of who portrayed both best. And that's tough. I, I have my answer, but Becca, you're the, uh, you're the expert tonight. I want to know what your take is right now. Uh, I would say, um, I know this is going to be controversial, because uh, a lot of people don't like some of his choices, but I'm going to say uh, Ben Affleck. Um, I, th- I thought the way that he handled, especially the way, and, and I'm talking about acting portrayal here. If you want to talk about like characterization, that could be a different conversation. Yeah. Um, but Ben Affleck, his Bruce Wayne was Bruce Wayne and his Batman was Batman. Uh, some, some other portrayals like Michael Keaton, like 
I don't know that he quite got Bruce Wayne for me. He he did a pretty good job as Batman, and I love Michael Keaton in in those movies. Uh, and like I would say, like uh, Val Kilmer probably did Bruce Wayne better than he did Batman. Uh, same thing with George Clooney. He he did the Playboy Bruce Wayne a little better. Uh, Kevin Conroy he everybody loves his voice. He mm-hmm. he does both pretty well. Um, but I really liked the way that uh, Ben Affleck played him because. That dude was Bruce Wayne. Some some people yeah. don't get both of them, but he the way he carried himself as Batman, where he he was just I mean, you wouldn't mess with that dude. Some of these other Batman, you're like, okay, you're a guy in a suit, whatever. <laughs> but yeah. he he was a real threat. You would not want to be cornered in a room with that guy. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, Ben Affleck, he's probably my favorite Batman, and that's coming from somebody who loved the Dark Knight trilogy with Christian Bale. He's probably my number two. Um, but but I think it depends on kind of what you think about the character and how you sort of visualize him or hear him in your head. Um, but for me, I would probably say Ben Affleck. Okay. While we're on the topic, uh, say, Jess, what, what about Bruce Wayne as depicted in Titans? Thoughts? I think uh, they, and I haven't, uh, they haven't come out with the new season yet. So I think no, I'm, I think I'm. Season two is when we actually see Bruce on, on screen. Right. I think I'm I think I'm caught up. I think what they've done with Bruce is really interesting because they've done a good job of establishing his relationship with Dick Grayson and some of the uh, I'm trying to think. I always get the Robins confused. Jason Todd. (laughs) Jason Todd is 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 the other. I think they're about to introduce Tim Drake. I hope that's not a spoiler. Really? Uh, That's the rumor. Uh, so okay. they may there may be another Robin, a yet another Robin. That'll be all three yeah. Robins. <laughs> now Carrie Kelly get, has to show up at some point. Um, yeah. But I think they've done a really good job of making Bruce because uh, I think those those characters like Dick and Jason they're still kind of young. They're 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 adults, yeah. but they're still kind of young. So they still have this kind of pent up anger about how Bruce raised them, even though I'm sure he did the best that he could. But I think it's really interesting because you don't see that a lot in the different iterations uh, to see that sort of family dynamic play out. And so I, I really enjoy watching that. I guess my, my only issue with all that is if I'm remembering correctly, now tell me if I'm wrong, Becky, I know you will. Uh, but, but Jason Todd is the one that, that Joker kills, right? Yes, that's correct. And, and, and I don't, I don't like the fact that Dick Grayson and Jason Todd are playing with each other because Jason Todd is supposed to be doing Robin while Dick Grayson's Nightwing and, and Jason Todd dies before he even truly sees Nightwing. And, and so it, do, it doesn't have to be that way. I know. I know. But I'm, <laughs> I'm that guy that I want it like I'm the comic book nerd. I sure. want to open up my comic on page five and see that that, yes, they're playing it just like it was written. And, and, and so it bothers me a little bit when they go off new source material. Well, and Jason Todd might not be Robin for too much longer. They, they sort of hinted at the, uh, uh, is it uh, Red Robin? Red Hood. What? Red Hood. Red, 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 Red Hood. Hood, yes. No, Red yes. Robin is yum. Yes, that's the, uh, and I was, also, I was also thinking of Red Hood. I was I was mixing yeah. those up. Yeah, I don't know much about uh, Red Hood, but uh, but it's it sounds like they're sort of taking him in that direction. So uh, there may not be a Robin for him much, much longer. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we got another question that's come in from, from one of our HWWS TV co-hosts here. Favorite Superman TV series and why? 
I mean, I, th- I think I already mentioned it, but uh, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman yeah. is, is my go-to. And the reason that I love that so much is because it originally, uh, before it even uh, became a series and went to, you know, had a pilot and went to series, uh, it started out as being a Lois Lane TV series. It was actually supposed to be called Lois Lane's Daily Planet. And I am a mm. huge fan of Lois Lane. I love the character. I probably love Lois Lane more than I love Superman. Uh, and so, and some, sometimes I just watch Superman stuff just to see Lois Lane. <laughs> Um, but, but, uh, but, uh, uh, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman did something that no other take on it had done before where it focused on the relationship and the romance angle of it. And, uh, Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane. She's like my gold standard for Lois Lane. Uh, if you're better better than than Amy Adams, well, Amy Adams is my favorite, but, uh, Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane is the, the guideline, the guidepost of where I judge all of the other Lois Lanes. Like if you're better than Terry Hatcher, like Amy Adams is, you're awesome. Yeah. If, okay. if you're, if you're worse than Terry Hatcher, get out, you know, just forget <laughs> it. So, so Terry Hatcher is always that bar that I kind of set for myself of like the gold standard of what, what it should be. But her Lois Lane is so great. And I think I heard a rumor that Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher didn't like each other very much, but you would never tell that no, uh, just, great on TV. Yeah, true. Uh, they were they were great together um but but that show i think um i really enjoyed it because it had a lot of the daily planet you spend a lot of time in the daily planet with perry white and jimmy the various jimmy olsons on that show uh and so for me that's where i personally love the superman story is the romance the lowest lane of it all the investigating the daily planet stuff that's kind of in my wheelhouse they did some comic booky things like they had a toy man um, and they they did sort of play around in some comic book aspects of it, but it was mostly just a a story about some people. And they really, um, you talk about like a, a a sort of a humanized Clark Kent. Dean Cain's Clark Kent is one of the first times I could remember being like, "Wow, I really connect with Clark." I really couldn't do that with Christopher Reeves, yeah, uh, Clark Kent. Yeah. And so Dean Cain really brought a lot of humanity to that role. And so for me, that's that's kind of my go to. I always. You know, I, I watch an epi- like a Christmas episode every year for Christmas, the Mixed Yes Pitalik one I watched recently. Um, so that's that's kind of my go-to Superman cool. show. That's awesome. Uh, I got to say this. Ryan did ask um, – oh, wrong one. Uh, he said, what about Smallville thoughts? Ryan, we talked about that earlier. Uh, you know, Like I said about Gotham. Go back and listen to it. I, we, I don't uh, know if I don't know if you want to hear my Smallville thoughts. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wait, I thought you said you liked it. Uh, I liked maybe the first five seasons. Um, okay. and then it kind of took a downturn. Uh, season eight made me so mad. Uh, some of the stuff, <laughs> some of the stuff. I actually quit watching the show after season eight. Uh, there, I remember in the finale, the season eight finale, they did they did Doomsday. They had Clark versus Doomsday. Clark didn't throw a punch. He didn't die, and then he just kind of magically vanished out of a scene. And I was like, what the heck is this? What am I watching right now? <laughs> um, so that was my signal to be like, I don't know that they're taking this very seriously. <laughs> right. uh, so, so Smallville, I know a lot of people love it. It was a big thing for a lot of people. It lasted for 10 seasons. Congratulations to them. Uh, but I did have some issues with it. It, it was not my favorite uh, take. I, I remember, and I can't remember exactly what episode this is, but I have this visual in my head of uh, Clark in the long black trench coat and he's using heat vision to burn down a building. And that image has always stuck with me because mm-hmm. it looked like 9-11. It looked like Superman was build- burning down a, a, a building like a 9-11 terrorist. And I was like, I've got to stop watching the show. This show yeah. is, I, <laughs> I cannot do it. Um, and so if anybody knows what episode that is, 
let me know. But I, I vividly remember that moment. And so I, I think some of it, what I think Smallville did really well is that it reintroduced Superman to a new audience for TV. And it came at a time, people always talk about this, Smallville aired, it premiered kind of around 9-11 where people needed a hero. People needed something positive. And so Smallville kind of hit at the right time. And it did a really good job in those first couple of seasons of the Kent family dynamic. And I think when they threw that away, starting in about season six, uh, Martha Kent goes to the Fortress of Solitude and Jarrell's like, goodbye, Martha Kent. And then she was never seen again. <laughs> so, so I think when they, they when they got rid of the family dynamic, when they got rid of the, the Kents, I think it really started to falter because from what I understand, the CW didn't want old people on Smallville oh. anymore. <laughs> So, uh, oh. so they got rid of the they got rid of the parents. Um, so, I I think there's there's some good the pros and cons of Smallville, uh, but it's not it's not my favorite. Yeah. It's not one I go back to. Yeah, Adam, you sounded like you were talking and wanted to bring up something. Oh no, no, I I, I agreed. I'm just agreeing. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so let's 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 wrap this up. We got a a huge question coming your way, and this is going to be my fourth and final zinger of a question. You ready? Go for it. What does DC do going forward? How can they bring in the fan that isn't... How can they bring in the Marvel C, MCU fan, like Adam, <laughs> who who wants continuity, who wants a, a true storyline, who wants to watch Superman, then Batman, then Wonder Woman, and then see Justice League all bring it together? What can WB do? And is the Snyder Cut the gold? You know, here we go, it's coming. I, I wish that was the case. I, I don't. I, I'm so excited about Zack Snyder's Justice League. I can't stand it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just I can't wait. Uh, but it seems like WB doesn't want to have any more to do with that universe, which is to their mistake, because it has grown, especially because of the, the disaster in 2017. It has become more popular. People want to see more of it. Uh, so it's really a mistake if they don't pursue that. Um, but I think in general, all you have to do for me as a fan is tell a good story. It starts with the story. And if it's not a good story, I'm not going to care about it. I'm not going to care about your characters. I don't care what special effects you have. I don't care, you know, what what your actor is in the role. If it's not a good story, I'm not going to care about it. The reason people love The Flash is because that first season is so good. That is one of the best seasons of television ever. I don't care, a comic book, whatever. It is one of the hands down, one of the best seasons of television, hands down. Um, So I think you just have to tell a good story. When people aren't invested in the story and the characters anymore, they drop your show. They stop going to see your movies. The reason why I quit the MCU is because I didn't think they did a very good job and I didn't like the characters. So I... I just stopped going to see those movies. So I think it all starts with the story. So all you have to do is tell a good story, have a perspective and uh, be willing to um, do things that make the audience invested in what you're doing. Yep. That's, I'd that's, agree. That's awesome. Because the, the other side of that coin is where I'm coming from. I felt the same way about Batman v Superman and Justice League. And admittedly, I have not seen Aquaman. I have not seen Shazam. Oh, and, but they're, the, they're the ones, they're the ones that everybody's like, Oh, these are great. I quit before that though. And I have to come back and catch up now, but that those two just didn't pay off for me the way that I'm sure probably Iron Man three or, you know, something along those lines, right. Didn't pay off for you, but, it, it but, was but I hear you. Was it, Ant- Oh, I loved Ant Man. I thought that was great. There's a scene in Ant Man. Uh, I forget what her character wasp is. What's wasp's real name. Evangeline Lily's character. 
I don't I know forget. her real name. See, yeah. see, isn't that a problem that all three of us don't know? Her? That's a problem that we don't know her character's name. But yeah. there's a scene where she's talking to, I think, Hank Pym about the mm -hmm. death of her mother. And it's mm -hmm. a really wonderful scene. She has all these emotions and these feelings. And I was really getting into it. I was like, man, there's there's some depth to her character. I'm really kind of getting invested in what she's going through. And then immediately, Scott, what's his face? Uh, come Ant-Man comes yeah. into the room, cracks a joke, and that's the end of the scene. And I was like, are you serious? Are you serious right now? Like you had this really great, wonderful character <laughs> moment with this woman. Yeah. And then you cracked a joke and pooped your way out of the scene. And I did not care for that at all. And I was like, okay, these movies are not for me. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, so, yeah, that's, so that's, that's why I, was, I quit. Sorry. That's what I was saying earlier is, is I, I think I was talking with you about this earlier on, on Messenger. <laughs> Marvel has done a great job of bringing in a non-comic book geek into wanting to see these movies because it seems like that they, they have some character building comic building scenes and then they throw some comedic action in it and, and you're done with it. And the, the normal fans like, okay, that's cool. That's funny. I remember that. I don't remember but, the punchline to I love you 3000 day. What was the punchline for that? Well, shut up. I'm just giving but, you a hard time. <laughs> just giving but, you a hard time. But you know, at the end of Justice League, if you hadn't seen it, sorry, spoiler alert, it's three years ago. If you hadn't seen it, what's wrong with you? You, yeah. you also I, don't need to go back and rewatch it because it's not the real version. Right, exactly. Wait yeah. wait till March 18th. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the, at the end of Justice League, you see all the bad guys on a boat. And people like you and I are probably like, oh, it's, it's the bad guys. It's all the Unjustice League. It's, oh, my gosh, we're awesome. And, and, and everyone else is like, okay, wh why do I care? All that's playing in my head is I'm on a boat, but it's the bad guys singing it. I mean, yeah. Hold up here. Hold up. I am not, I don't hate Marvel. <laughs> I love Marvel, but I have always been a fan of DC over Marvel just because I, I relate more with the DC characters. I, I think the DC characters are deeper and, and, and woven deeper into our, our fabric of our childhood. I, I mean, let's the three of us. Let's poll the three of us here. Did you play with Thor characters? Did you play with Captain America characters? Yes. Or did you, or did you play more with Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman? I mean, I, I'm totally serious. Pajamas, I had I still pajamas, my pajamas. I have Superman? a picture. I'll show you. I have a picture. I'll show you when we're done with the podcast of me, three years old or however many years old in my Superman pajamas, but I had an Iron Man action figure. Dr. Doom is still one of my favorite comic book characters of all time. So I, I was ingrained with both, honestly. I mean, I'm not saying that okay. to, to have okay. a counterpoint. I was ingrained with both. And I think for me, you know, Superman is the one that I've always liked. I mean, I remember going to see Superman returns and I was so excited and it just kind of fell flat for me. That's why I loved man of steel so much. I feel like it really rejuvenated that and then what they did with Superman after that just didn't feel as great to me. And I think that's the thing is I was so invested in Superman that I had in my head a lot of people with Last Jedi, right? They had in their head what should happen with Snoke. They had in their head what should happen with Kylo Ren. And when it didn't, they were like, peace, I'm out. But then there's some of us who are like, it's okay to take a different approach with Star Wars. I don't want people messing with my Superman. 
And oh, so for that, me, that's why I felt that way when the, when the second and third movie came out. So the, the problem with the less Jedi isn't the, uh, the t- different take on the story. It's because the movie's no good. The story's no good. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other episode. We're going to have a that's, whole, that's the problem there in my opinion. Um, oh, but, you will find no detractors on this show. <laughs> One. But yeah, I, I think that's um that's that's a, a a really interesting way to look at it is that th- there are characters that are in the the zeitgeist and kind of things that we in our generation kind of came up with. Um, I I was I was raised on kind of the DC you know the Tim Burton Batman movies and things like that. Um, but I also when I was in college, I kind of fell in love with Spider Man a little bit. And I've always. I kind of don't care about most Marvel stuff, but I love Spidey. So I think it is one of those things. I've done a lot of studying um, of C.S. Lewis stuff. And C.S. Lewis talks a lot about meaning and why great art is great art is because you can find meaning in it. And so I think that's why things are so different for so many people. And everybody has their different likes and dislikes is that if you don't find meaning in a story, you're not going to love it. So I think it, it kind of depends on, on what you take. I think you get out of it, what you put into it. And uh, so I, and I also want to address what Adam said about, you know, maybe not finding meaning in Batman V Superman. What I think was WB's downfall is they did not uh, trust in the plan as well as Marvel did. Marvel had, people don't remember Marvel had stinkers at the beginning Captain America, the first Avenger only made $300, $300 million worldwide. Worldwide, it only made three. That is a flop. Captain America, mm-hmm. the first Avenger is a straight up flop at the box office. But you know what? They just kept going. They just kept going. They were getting there where they were going to get to the Avengers because they knew when they got to the Avengers, everything would pay off. Yep. But what uh, WB did is they cut it off at the le- like cut it off at the knees right when it was supposed to be getting good and uh so i think that that's one of the things that marvel did better is they trusted in in kind of building that over time and letting people get invested and find that meaning and so uh that's that's one of the things i've always thought was really dumb on wb's part is that they didn't give it that time they cared more about what rotten tomatoes thought what those top critics who are yeah. Not very intelligent people. I read every Batman v Superman top critic review. I lost so many IQ points. It was ridiculous. Um, so <laughs> I don't I don't care what Rotten Tomatoes has to say, and I don't think anybody else should either. But they cared more about that than they cared about the audience and getting the audience invested. And that was that was their downfall. Well, and that's the that's well, the last Jedi Rise of Skywalker problem too. Is that Lucasfilm didn't trust and make a plan and, and see it through. They cut it off and brought in a new writer who wanted to change everything. And then you got to go back with rise and fix all the mistakes that people right. complained about with last Jedi. And yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was going to say the same thing. Uh, I think that anybody who watches rotten tomatoes or watches what the critics say, look at movies that you love and will watch over and over and over. Uh, I'm speaking from me, personal experience. Becca, you know my type, my humor. You you've known me for as long as Adam has. Dumb and Dumber, Anchorman, you know, Amazamba. You Amazamba used my only friend from Half Baked. <laughs> yeah, and from Half Baked, it's movies that critics hated, but we sit there and watch it over and over and over because it speaks to us. It yeah. it, it makes us, and, and, and this is where I think. Not to get political, but this is where I think Supergirl has gone wrong. This is where I think the Arrowverse has gone wrong. We watch TV, and we talked about this on, on Reels and Hills last Saturday. Here you go. It was the continuity. Uh, but <laughs> uh, 
if we watch TV to escape, yeah, we are in the middle of a pandemic, and and I don't want to turn on Supergirl. I don't want to turn turn on Superman. I don't want to turn on Arrow or, or whatever and see people wearing masks, see people talking about coronavirus, see people talking about a president who who you know allegedly incites violence on the Capitol. I don't care what your thoughts are on that. You know, I don't, I want to turn on a TV show, a movie and escape my real world. I don't you just want, want to see Supergirl punch a robot. That's, that's right. all, that's exactly. all I want to see. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I don't want to see Supergirl dealing with her. Y'all, I'm not PC. Let's get this out, out of the way. I don't want to see Supergirl dealing with her her alphabet sister and and dealing with with a a a president who incites violence and and dealing with with a a virus i want to see supergirl like you said who punches a robot who who talks to her cousin and, and tries to to work with being an alien but also being a reporter or, uh, for catcom or whatever i want Comic book, open the pages and and fill the the paint superheroes. And I, I, don't I think want that's crap. I, I agree, and I think that's it's why I don't. Blair loves this is us. I don't like it. It's about too much real life stuff, right? And I feel like for me, I think one of the things that DC tends to do more, and you could make an argument that Marvel does it in some ways too, but DC is like more prone to the dark side of humanity. You know. They're more prone to tell stories that go down that route. And, and I think they that's have not a big, my bad particular... name, Dark Side. No, I know. But but I'm just saying, well, you know what I mean, though. He's... <laughs> well, but I... I guess what I'm saying is like like the take on the Joker and the take on people like that that they do, it tends to go more that way. That's not my particular brand of vodka. It's like This Is Us. I don't choose to watch that show, but I'll watch Impractical Jokers 55 times a day because I get that you know kind of toilet humor kind of stuff and it makes me laugh. And I think it just is personal taste. I think a lot of it comes down to what do you want to turn on when you turn something on because your time is valuable you know and something to your point rebecca it resonates with you more than than other stuff might yeah yeah and i, and I would argue that the the dark side not the character but the dark side of <laughs> you know showing what's going on i think that makes the light come out i've argued that for years that that makes sure. it that makes it more hopeful. That's one of the things I love about the ending of Batman v Superman. Superman is dead. He's been punctured in the chest. His literal symbol for hope has been punctured and he is dead in the ground. And what I think is so cool about that ending is that, uh, you know, they have that, uh, that chalking that says, if you seek his monument, look around you. That's, mm -hmm. that's done by the people of Metropolis. That's yeah. their message to each other. They're saying, you know, Superman's gone. But if you want to see Superman, if you want to see a superhero, we can be Superman to each other. We don't need Superman. We can be Superman. We can act like him. And I think that's one of the most that's one of the mm. most inspirational messages I've ever taken out of any superhero movie, any superhero TV show uh, of all the ones that I've watched in my whole life. Sure. So I think I think you need a little bit of that dark, that darkness, some of that that underbelly, that evil to come out because that's when that's when you really see the hope in it. And um and Dave, I just kind of want to go back uh, to I, I know you were referencing uh, Alex Danvers on Supergirl. Um, I I I'm okay with you know seeing some of those storylines because Alex is such a good character. Alex yeah. for Alex for Kara, she is Kara's Supergirl. You know, Kara's Supergirl, but her sister is her is her Supergirl is, is somebody she looks up to, and so that's it. Kind of goes back to my point um, is that 
I'm okay with whatever you whatever story you tell as long as it's told well and i think for supergirl the problem with their political their topical however you want to say it storylines is that it's not written well they did a whole storyline about uh an executive order that they then said they could repeal which yeah. you can't it has to be rescinded by another executive branch so like they they lectured me for a whole season of supergirl and they didn't even understand how the government worked so it was one of those things where it was like okay i get you have our perspective on this i get this is what you want to do with this show but at least do it well at least tell a good story um so i i think that's the downfall of a lot of these shows and and i i've i've been frustrated with tv for the last four years because they've all done that i re i watched the reboot yeah. of murphy brown and it was all I, you know i don't want to get into it but it was all trump jokes and i was like do you not have anything else in your wheelhouse yeah. to tell jokes about so yeah. i think that's a really big problem not just in superhero uh things it's just tv across the board uh seems to have run out of creativity um you see uh, every every other day there's a oh we're rebooting this now or we're redoing this and i'm like okay you have really scraped the bottom of the barrel because you don't have anything in in your up your sleeve anymore um so unfortunately sometimes that does creep into uh superhero movies and tv shows but but i think Again, if it's written well, I'll go with I'll go with on any journey you take me on as long as it's a good story. The only show I'm okay with rebooting is to bring it back is Home Improvement. I Dear do, God, I NBC, give me Home Improvement back, please. <laughs> All right, so this is Becca. We I could go on for hours. I, I think you can tell that this is a, a topic that we're going to have to have you back on to talk about. In, in fact, oh sure, I, I, I will be coming back from Disney World. Uh, on March 18th. So I, I know I'll be watching that on the airplane <laughs> back. Um, maybe the week after or a couple weeks after, if, if you don't mind, let's, let's come sure. back and talk Snyder cut. Yeah. Um, the, the last DC thing we need to talk about, because we do have some phone calls to get to on our birth line, 650 UAB show. Uh, anyway, Vance Cope, can we all agree Superman returns is the worst DC movie ever. And Brandon Roth was terrible. No, we cannot. I see your Superman returns and give you Green Lantern. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the 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 bad DC movies. I mean, jo uh, Joss Whedon's Justice League is is pretty up there. <laughs> it's it's pretty up there. You have the Flash falling on Wonder Woman. You have jokes for no reason. Uh, you have a Dark Side mentioned that doesn't make any kind of sense. Yeah. Uh, you have Martha Kent calling Lois Lane thirsty and basically telling a joke that a 13 year old would say. And she says it to her basically daughter-in-law. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I think Superman returns at least has some redeeming qualities to it. The flight effects are really cool. There's a really yeah, nice romantic scene between Superman and Lois. Uh, there's that moment where the, the bullet hits his eye and bounces off. Mm -hmm. uh, so Superman returns has redeeming qualities. Uh, Joss Whedon's justice league. They're basically no redeeming qualities to them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so it, I, I think that's that's kind of been the the black uh, stain. I I mean, I think I would put Justice League even under Batman and Robin. I probably would. Wow. <laughs> so Bat at the bottom of the heap, in other words. Yeah, Bat Batman and Robin at least tried to do a take on Batgirl and had you know the yeah. Batman family, which was pretty cool. Uh, sure. So yeah, uh, Justice. I mean, you're 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 not going to be able to to beat Justice League in my book. Yeah, I think I, I I nod my head so vehemently when we ask that question because, like I said before, I'm really protective of Superman, you know, and and I think that that's where my my 
instincts kick in and say, yeah, because I didn't like it. But let me ask you this then. So we've had what three in the movies, at least three different takes on Lex Luthor at this point. Uh, yes. In the movies. Yeah. Right. Cause we had Gene Hackman and we had Kevin Spacey and we had, what's his face from Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. I can't think of his name. And what do you think about those three? If you had to pick one of those, I don't think that's something we've touched on. I mean, I actually thought Kevin Spacey was pretty good. All things that happened after that aside, I think in, in that movie, he actually pulled off Lex Luthor pretty well. Well, he was, basically, like, yeah, he, yeah. he was basically playing uh, Gene Hackman's character. Um, That's true. Just, just in a, That's you true. Know, a different time span. I really loved Jesse Eisenberg's uh, take because he was, he was everything that I think about when I think about Lex Luthor. Now, some people would say, oh, he, he's like the Riddler because he had Jim Carrey's, you know, Riddler hair. And I'm like, yeah. What? Stop. <laughs> Lex Luthor has had red hair in the comics and on Smallville. That's that's a part of his character. But, you know, like he had daddy issues. He probably murdered his father. They don't say it outright, but I kind of get that vibe that he probably mm. murdered his father. Yeah. Um, he is a uh, he's a mastermind, a criminal mastermind. He fools uh, Superman and Batman, tricks them into fighting each other. The only person he can outsmart is Lois Lane, which is the way it should be. And um he also uh, is a, 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 a scientific genius. He's a, you know, a science mastermind. And that's, that's Lex Luthor to a T. He may not look like, you know, Clancy Brown from the, the Superman, the animated series. He might not be the, the Lex Luthor in your head, but he is Lex Luthor. And I think yeah. he did such a good job. And it was a neat, the way they cast it, the way Zack Snyder chose to put Jesse Eisenberg in that role is actually really genius because Jesse Eisenberg's kind of like you, you put him against Henry Cavill and it's like a little scrawny nerd up against mm -hmm. this like jacked, yep. you know, jock football player. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic because especially when you get to that scene on the, the rooftop in Batman v Superman, where Lex actually gets Superman to bow down to him and put him, put him on his knees. And I, I just think that's a really interesting dynamic. And uh, the, the, I mean, even the philosophical stuff, that's very Lex Luthor. If you read um, Lex Luthor, man of steel in the comics, it's one of my favorite comics. You should totally read it. It's only like five issues, but that's, that's that Lex Luthor, that philosophical kind of has a, a, a hatred of God um, has a lot of problem. I mean, they mentioned the problem of evil in Batman V Superman. That's, yeah. I mean, to me, that was Lex Luthor. And I think he really embodied um, a lot of those characteristics of the character. Yeah. Can, you know, can we all agree? First off with, with Jesse Eisenberg, I was waiting on the Lex suit. I, I We have to see him in the Lex suit some point in time, because if there's any Lex Luthor, that's going to wear the Lex suit, it's going to be Eisenberg's Luthor. Because he has to. And and I think it's uh, story-wise something that you could do because he could make it out of Kryptonian armor. Uh, some of yep. that Kryptonian armor from the spaceship. Uh, if you want to see the Lexo suit, uh, it is on Supergirl. It does make a couple of appearances Ooh. on on the show. Uh, Lily, well, that means I have to watch season four and, or five and four, five and six. I, w I would recommend starting season four kind of in the middle when John Cryer's Lex Luthor comes in. Um, talk about Lex Luthor's. He's he's a great one. John Cryer, John Cryer surprised everybody. And I, 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 <laughs> see, I always see here's the deal. John Cryer is going to be that stupid idiot from Superman three. No, and, and he man. can't play the, the, the Lex Luthor guy. No, tr trust me. I will tell you when Supergirl doesn't do something very well, John Cryer is not one of those things. He is very, very good in Supergirl. Uh, mm. They they lean on him a little too much, especially in season five. He should have been out in season four, but I think they liked playing with him too much that they brought him back. Uh, but the the second half of season four 
is actually pretty excellent. Um, uh, as, aside from the Russian collusion reference that they ha- just had to get in there, <laughs> um, it, the end of season four, I give season four a lot of crap because it kind of deserves it. But uh, the second half is really good with Lex Luthor. So yeah. I would recommend that. Yeah, I will say this real quick about Brandon Ruth, and then we can close this part out. But I feel like Brandon Ruth was a casting decision of who has, if we curl his hair like this right in front, who looks the most like Superman? And it's like George Clooney and Val Kimmer. It's like if we put the cowl on, who has the chin? You know, and it's like just a purely visual because I could see Brandon Ruth being maybe like a CW version of Superman, but I don't think on the big screen it held up. Well, well he, he actually did play a CW yeah. version of yeah. Superman. I mean, I can see that, but not in the not on the on the big screen. He's, he's Adam. He is the best Adam. I mean, he he embodies that character. Yeah, he's good as the Adam, but he he did a good job with the the Earth ninety six Superman, as they call him, kind of that Kingdom Come. He had the Kingdom Come Superman symbol on his chest. Uh, he was he was very good in that, and I'll give uh, Brandon Rouse some credit. I think he. Um, he was supposed to basically just imitate Christopher Reeve because that's the the connective tissue to those movies. Yeah. But I thought he was really good. I I thought he did a good job. Uh, I, I, he maybe wasn't as great a Superman. Uh, yeah. I didn't buy him as much as Superman, but I thought he he looked the part. He was a good actor, um, and he's he's done he's done a really good job at representing the character, which I think also to me means a lot uh, because yeah. there have been. Uh, some act- actors that I was disappointed with uh, who did some things. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know that you need to be taking a picture, flipping the bird in your Superman suit. I don't know that that needs to be on the internet. <laughs> um, but, but I think he's, I've seen him like at panels and things and he's such a good representation of the character. So it wasn't just like him in that movie and he was finished. He still represents Superman and, uh, and that whole mythology just in the way he uh, represents himself in the character. So I think that's awesome. Uh, as, as we end this, because we do have to get to our two calls, Adam, we got to get to the Virgil ask a question. And yep. I think BK called in as well with a Star Wars question, um, our Star Wars take. Uh, but <laughs> uh, can, can we end on, we can all just agree that Jim Carrey was the best Riddler. Oh, <laughs> that's tough though, because I, I've watched Gotham and uh mm. Uh, and and even good. Batman, Batman sixty six. You got to give it up for that Riddler. I forget the the actor who played him. Oh, why am I blanking but, but on his name? Jim hmm. Carrey just played that methodical jokester of of a guy that that he didn't care if he was making you mad. And and I, I don't know. Maybe it's my love for Jim Carrey. I, I we've we've established that I love Jim Carrey. He's your Nike of comedians. He is. <laughs> but to me, Jim Carrey embodies the Riddler. And, and I, you know, I, I I I just think that that was probably okay, probably the best. It's like Cesar Romero. We see Cesar uh, Romero. I think he, I he think was he Joker. Played Joker. Yeah, I think he was Joker. Joker. Yeah, yeah. Who, who yeah. played Riddler? I, I'm blanking on his name. I just Vance, had to throw I was, that up there. I'm not wrong. Come on, man. Fan <laughs> says, how can Dave be wrong so often? Those who are just listening, but I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think Jim Carrey was an excellent Riddler. Uh, I don't know if he was the best that's up for debate uh, because I would, I would argue that he was basically playing the Riddler from Batman uh, 66, just turned up to 11. <laughs> like yeah, he exactly. just, he, he took that version and, and kind of did uh, his own take on it. But, uh, but I, I will say I, I, I loved Gotham's take on it. Cause it was so different. They played on, you know, the, the Riddler's whole deal. Um, 
when you hear like DC Comics people, like writers and 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 artists talk about, he's the he's the narcissism part of Batman's psyche, and right. he always he always kind of puts his riddles out there because he wants to get caught. He wants you to figure it out, so he'll come you'll come after him. Yeah. Um, and they played that really very very interestingly on Gotham, where he sort of had like a split personality a little bit, and uh, so it was a really interesting take on uh, the Riddler. But I mean, Jim Carrey's Riddler is is pretty fantastic. Yeah, and, and I even like Tommy Lee Jones's Two Face. I, I, I it, he might have he is been the epitome a, to me of Two Face. No, no, he's not the epitome. But <laughs> I know I actually I kind of like. Oh, here you go, Frank Gorshin was Riddler. 66. Frank Gorshin, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, uh, but I, I, and somebody here, Brian says that uh, Robin Williams was all, almost Riddler. That is true. Give oh, me oh. Robin Williams as oh, oh give oh. me Robin Williams as Riddler. Come on, that would have been awesome. No, that wouldn't have uh, been awesome. <laughs> oh, uh, we we will debate about that. Okay, anyway, Adam, <laughs> if you want to get a hold of the show, what's the phone number to do it? And then let's play the the the, the voicemails. Sure thing. It's six five zero UAB show. Dial it up. You'll hear a brief message from us and then a beep. Dave, you're lying. Oh, beep. Thank you. Uh, leave a voicemail for us, and a hundred percent of the time we will play Beep. it on the show. Sometimes, Dave, I'm, mm, I'm going to remove you from the stream. Hang on, give me one second. Beep. Do it again. Do it again. I dare you. There you go. All right. So six five zero UAB show. Give us a call. Leave a message. One hundred percent of the time we'll play it on the show. And here are the voicemails we have. <laughs> oh, so now you want to lean into the mic and put it right in your face, huh? I mean, here. Do you want me to do it like like you want me to? Hey, everybody. My name's Dave. All right, guys, stay there, Dave. Comment in the comments if you think this is a better look for the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, which one do you want first, BK or Virgil asked the question? Let's go with Virgil, and then we'll go with BKs. All right, here we go. Let me turn the volume up. 200 years ago, the border between the U.S. and Canada had an entirely new country rise up. For a period of about 13 years, all of the area from the Mississippi River to the East Coast and a majority of Canada were part of the British Empire. <clears throat> Britain won the Canadian part from the French in the Seven Year War. And we all know what happened to change that for America. We signed the 1783 Treaty of Paris to claim independence and settle the land ownership. The border dispute between America and Canada left a portion of land where the residents declared their own independence in 1832. Another treaty was signed between British Canada and America in 1842 to bring that small country into the U.S. My question is, what was the name of this country? Come on, Dave, you're the history buff. I was going to say, I'm a history minor, and I don't even know this. Uh, Michigan. I don't know. Michigan's not a country, Dave. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's interesting. It's an unrecognized constitutional republic that's now part of New Hampshire. Wait, wait, wait. And it's called, there- the, it was called the Republic of Indian Stream, and they were actually a country. But we didn't recognize that country, so we signed a treaty and we said, "Give us that land, baby." <laughs> were, were there allegiance to democracy? My allegiance is to the republic, oh, to God. democracy. <laughs> uh, and now you have the high ground as well, right? <laughs> I have the high ground. 
Do, do you uh, like how it did that? I hate you, Dave. Next... I hate you. Yeah. yeah, you set up Star Wars really well. That do you like how it did that because of our next call? You're proud of yourself. We can tell. <laughs> I am very proud of myself. <laughs> All right. So this one's Star Wars question from BK. Hey, what's up, guys? This is BK. I just figured I would drop some Star Wars news on you, especially in the realm of everybody's favorite video games. So an announcement was made maybe like three or four weeks ago that Lucasfilm has decided to be their own publishing company, their own gaming publishing company, and they're going to name it, big surprise, Lucasfilm Games. Now, the two biggest things that came out of this announcement besides that was is that even though they have Lucasfilm Games, EA is still making video games for Star Wars fans. This means that Respawn, who's a... The studio of EA is still going to be making two more Fallen Order games. The other news is that Ubisoft has decided to partner with Lucasfilm Games, and they're going to be making an, quote, open-world role-playing game in the Star Wars universe. Now, Ubisoft has, you know, been making Assassin's Creed games and uh, Rainbow Six games, but also... They're going to be uh, tapping their studio of Massive Entertainment, who's been making the Division games, to make this open-world role-playing Star Wars game. So hopefully, with the uh, issues that Massive had with the Division 1 and Division 2 releases, that this will be a little bit better since there'll be Lucasfilm games that'll be managing everything. Now, the real big announcement when this came out, that there are rumors that... The Knights of the Old Republic game is either being rebooted or there's going to be a new story. So that game, if folks who don't remember, was on the original Xbox and, in my opinion, was the best Star Wars game that was ever made. Now, the real big news about this rumor is that even though, like I said before, EA is still part of the Star Wars game universe, the studio that made Knights of the Old Republic Bioware is not going to be part of this reboot slash remake, whatever it is they're calling it. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide to go with or who they decide to go with, but I'm excited for it. So I just figured I'd drop some Star Wars news on you guys. Uh, you know, really appreciate what you guys do. You guys do a fabulous job. Adam, you're awesome. Dave, do better. And may the Force be with us all. <laughs> may the Force be with you as well, BK. I, I, but BK! So you got to take the good feedback with the bad, Dave. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Becca, this is for you. Wait, do we take the good and we take the bad? You take them both and there you, you have the facts of life. There you go. <laughs> which, which, I, which I've heard rumors of them rebooting that. I'm like, oh, my oh. gosh. Yeah, no. facts of life. Good stuff. You know, yeah. good on Lucasfilm, though, for not making something called Lucasfilm Plus at this point. Everything else is plus. So. <laughs> Lucasfilm games may not be creative, but it's not Lucasfilm Plus. So, yeah, good on those guys. Oh, man. All right. I, I could talk this all day. I mean, DC, Star Wars, history. Bring wrestling. You might have yeah, one bourbon of and shows. bourbon coffee and three topics that you love, Dave. Your night's complete, man. Just go to bed. Woo! Let's go. (laughs) Becca, how can they get a hold of you? What's what's the the way to listen to the fount of knowledge that is Rebecca Johnson? 
Oh, well, uh, that's very kind of you to say that. Uh, <laughs> you can check you can check me out on a podcast called Supergirl Radio. You can go to supergirlradio.com and find our website there. We're on all the stuff. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, all the places. So wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, we have different uh, things that you can listen to. We talk about the TV show episodes, but we also talk about comics. We also talk about Supergirl history. Uh, we have been doing some live streaming. So if you want to come hang out with us and uh, be part of our chat, like you're, you're doing with these guys here, you can certainly participate with us there. Uh, so definitely uh, check us out at Supergirl Radio if you would like to learn more about Supergirl. And we're on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Supergirl Radio. And also when Comic-Cons start back, I believe you also do a couple panels, right? I try to. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a Dragon Con person, so I go to Atlanta, or, or I used to, when when we had things like fan conventions. Uh, I used to go to Dragon <laughs> Con every year, and so I would usually try to do a, a, a Supergirl panel at least. Uh, and Atlanta Comic-Con, I had been going there and doing some some panels there. If you if you want to go listen to a uh, an anniversary panel, I did about Supergirl's 60th anniversary. I went through the entire history of Supergirl in an hour, uh, starting even oh. before Action Comics 252, where they first started playing around with the idea of a female counterpart to Superman. That was even before Supergirl was introduced. They did it first with Lois Lane, uh, if you want to know that. Uh, but I take you through the uh, beginning of Supergirl up through the Rebirth era and the uh CW Supergirl. So if you want to listen to that, you can uh, check us out. It's one of the Supergirl radio episodes. So you can check us out there. But yeah, I'm a I'm an Atlanta Comic Con, Dragon Con person. Uh, so you you might find me in Atlanta at some point. Yeah. I, I will say, Becca, not to toot your horn, but I'm going to for a second. Uh, I've had no less than four people text me in the last hour and a half and say, holy crap, Rebecca knows her stuff. <laughs> so, well, thank you. Uh, I, I find that it does pay off to uh, just read as much as you can and watch as much as you can. And I've, I've been kind of living this stuff for the last, I don't know, 16 years, but it's been ingrained since I was a child. So I, I, I love comics and I love DC comics, especially, and I love Supergirl. So uh, if you ever have any questions, uh, let me know. Yep. Awesome. Uh, also guys, if you want to get hold of our show on Twitter, I'm at D Adams 419. He is blank. I uh, <laughs> uh, he doesn't have a Twitter. No. On uh, the show itself is at Not Related Bros on Instagram. I'm at D Adams four one nine. He is at Runtime Run. We are also unrelated at Birth. Uh, guys, uh, Facebook just search Unrelated at Birth. If you want to enjoy the chats that we have, look for the Facebook fan group Unrelated Birth fan group. Uh, Patreon.com backslash unrelated birth. There might be some changes coming to the Patreon. I will get a hold of all the patrons that we've got, all of our siblings. Uh, guys, I, I say it every week. Uh, there is not going to be a cool quote this week. Uh, I mean, I could say up, up in a way faster than a speeding bullet, you know, louder than a locomotive, able to jump a single, you know, uh, louder you to jump. A, yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm uh, you could use thing. Supergirl's motto hope, help, and compassion for all. So. That's, there you that's, go. That's, that's her thing. There you go. Well, we'll leave you with hope, help, and compassion with all. Thank you, guys. We love y'all. We mean it. It is not just a tagline we say at the end of the show. Everybody that sat here and listened to us so far for an hour and 47 minutes, Adam and I would be having a conversation like this with Becca any day of the week and Sunday, just because this is something that we geek out about. The fact that y'all, you know, we, we've had a bunch of people sit here, comment with us, and hang out with us. That means the world to us. So thank you so much. We love each and every one of you that have done it. Adam, 
take them home. Yeah. Thank you guys for giving us some more of your time yet again this week. Thank you, Rebecca, for being on the show. We appreciate right. it. Thanks thank for you. Me. Yeah, sure. And thank you to the Hanging With Web crew for uh, letting us be part of the family. We're excited to see what happens from here. And uh, we'll catch you again, guys, next week. And remember, we love you, but not as much as Jesus does. Be kind to one another. And we'll see you again next week. push the button. <laughs>